Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. So as Pastor John has said, we're starting a new series today, uh, and it's exciting. I'm excited about it. We've been doing our House of Prayer series uh, over the years so far, and it's been powerful. I know uh, just talking to different people, there's so many testimonies of just God's transformation, right? As we've made a decision to press in in prayer, uh, that there's been transformation for people in their lives. And uh, we're moving to a series called It's a Group Thing. It's a group thing, and uh, it's not a complicated uh, complicated uh, title, uh, but I want to expand on it today. And, and kind of an idea that we're going to talk about a lot is that we've been talking about we, we follow Jesus for ourselves, but we don't follow him on our own. Or you can think about this. We follow Jesus for ourselves, but we don't follow him by ourselves, right? We're designed to do life in community, I'm an extrovert, and so I'm glad about that, right? <laughs> if I'm on my own for too long, it's like I get antsy, right? And I, I know that I need community, right? And even if you don't consider yourself an, an extrovert, then that's okay, because you're designed for community. Uh, and, and I love that God puts us amongst people who we can connect with. And so I want to speak with you this morning about that. Uh, but w- we have a personal relationship with Jesus, but we're a part of a community of believers, We get to make ourselves at home uh, as in the family of God. And and the cool thing is, right, is that we're not all the same. We're not all the same. You're not like me, and I'm not like you. There's not a kind of exact uh, replica. I'm a twin, right, and I'm so different from my twin. I've actually, I'm a twin. I've got a brother, which is, lots of people uh, say I'm a twin, and then I tell them I've got a twin brother, and then they say, are you identical? And I'm like, hold on. I don't know. It's like they just, like they haven't processed that, that it's, yeah, it's not, it's not how it works, right? <laughs> but, but we're all different, right? We, we have our own gifts and talents, but what's incredible is that God kind of knits us together and part of the body, part of the family of God. And, and we're not all ears. We're not all little fingers. Uh, we're not all... Uh, Eyes, right? We've all got different functions and we work together. And and this morning, I just want to share a little bit about that. And in John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he says the following Jesus never commands you to wake up in the morning and to have a quiet time, to read your Bible, to live in community, to practice Sabbath, to give your money to the poor, or any of the core practices of his way. He just does these practices and then says, hey, come and follow me. Follow me. He modeled a life in community and encouraged his disciples to live lives of love. And if you look in John 13, uh, verse 34 to 35, it's pretty clear. He says this to them, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, uh, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And that's an amazing thing and and something we can do. And it's tricky, right? It's not always easy to love, but that's something that we get the invitation and the opportunity uh, to do, is to live in community with others. And I love that it provides a platform 
to outwork and demonstrate the transformative power of love in our own lives. Right? That as we are loved, so we can love. As, as we know that. And, and uh, if you read, I want to kind of spend a bit of time in Acts this morning. And uh, for those of you who have been in church a little while, you'll know uh, at the start of the Acts, uh, it's a pretty significant time that the, the church, kind of as we know it, is born, right? Uh, and Peter, uh, one of the disciples, he, he shares a sermon kind of on the first day of the church. And that's when the Holy Spirit, Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to believers. And that's like really the start. And the incredible thing is that 3,000 people are added to the church on the first day. It's a pretty good first day, right? We stoked. A little bit overwhelmed, maybe, as well. The disciples are like, Jesus has been working with them for three years, and he's like, cool, I'm going now. It's your turn. You guys got this. And then, ah, 3,000 people are like, yeah, cool, I want to be a part of this. Uh, and that's exciting. And well, when you think about it, you're like, what accounts for this reality? And it's the, the spiritual power that attends the message that, that Peter brings. That as he brings this message, uh, that there's the Holy Spirit uh, is with him. And it says in Acts 2, verse 37, that they were cut to the heart and that the Holy Spirit was kind of inserted in. And that's a metaphor, right? They're not actually literally cut to the heart. But that, that the Holy Spirit was there, was available for them, was given to them uh, so that they wouldn't do life on their own. Right, that the Jesus has just ascended to heaven, but they're not there trying to just work it out by themselves. And then the question around that is like that there was just this new life. There was something about what was happening, and it was like, man, there's something exciting that people wanted to be a part of. And I want to read from uh, Acts 2, 42 to 48. And this is just a little bit about what was happening during that time. It says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with the awe uh, at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions uh, to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In verse 44, it says they were together. A little bit later on in, in verse 46, it says they met together. Where did they meet together? Not just in a building, everywhere, right? Uh, when did they meet together? Kind of every day, continuously. And the thing is that these people kind of couldn't get enough of each other. It wasn't just what they did. They were together. They'd become together. And what's crazy is if you read the Bible, you notice that the apostles didn't need to tell the people to come together. That it was a response. It wasn't a kind of a duty or a command like, oh, you have to meet. They wanted to be together. The believers wanted to be together as a response to the new life that they'd been given in Jesus. And if you think about it, it's like, who came together? Who are these people? And, and if you read earlier on in the chapter, uh, and in the start of Acts 2, it talks about how it just wasn't kind of a normal Jerusalem crowd. It wasn't 
they're only people just like them. In Acts 2 verse 5, we read it says, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Right? And obviously, it's kind of like the nations that they knew, but that there were people, all sorts of different people, Jews and Gentiles. There would have been people who spoke loads of different languages. But they were together. They had a desire, despite their differences, to connect with one another. And the new believers in Act lived in genuine relationship with each other. They met together to hear the word of God. They ate, they prayed, they took communion together. They cared for each other and used the resources that they had to support each other. And what's cool is that we're the continuation of the Acts Church, right? If you know, our movement is actually called Acts Churches New Zealand, and it's cool because it's like the, the disciples were commissioned, and we get to be the continuation of that now. And relationships are so important. I know this isn't brand new revelationary information for you, right? We know these things. But the thing is, we can be a part of church and not necessarily in deep relationship with other people. (coughs) Church works best for us when we fully commit ourselves to growing in relationship and serving one another. And so this morning, I just want to share kind of three invitations, I think, that are available for each one of us. And I encourage you, get your notes out, right? Write it down. These are things that's great when you go back over it because it's so much more powerful. God can speak again through the things that you stand out for you uh, during the week. And the first invitation is this, embrace the mission. In Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, reading from the Passion Translation, it says this. Jesus is commissioning the disciples just as he's about to go up. And he says this. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I'm with you even to the completion of this age. See, the last words of Jesus are really important. He left the disciples with these last words of instruction. And and I think everybody wants to give their life to something significant, right? All of us are looking for something to give our lives to that has meaning and value. And what's incredible is that as Christians... Uh, that Jesus has commissioned us and given us his authority to be able to go out and make a difference in our world. And it's not just, uh, the commission wasn't just for the disciples, those people who were there in that moment, but it's true for each one of us. As with the disciples, we're called to live beyond our own situations and reach the people in our world. And, and the thing about it, right, about these early believers in the early church is that the call that they responded to cost them something. They embraced constraints. And at times, like we find out, that they suffered persecution. And I, I wanted to share just kind of a cool example of what happened this week uh, with my e-group. Excuse me, a lady uh, emailed our church, uh, and she just reached out 
uh, via our church email address, and she's just moved to Christchurch, and she's come under incredibly difficult circumstances, uh, and and she's currently living in emergency housing with her four children, uh, one of which is like a three-week-old baby, so a pretty crazy time for her, and it was so cool, like, I, when I met her, I was kind of like, so how did, why did you email us, you know, like, how did you know, and she's like, oh, I'm not connected to a corpus, but I just know that churches are a place that people can help, right, that that's her experience, and I thought, how cool is that, there's that space where she knew that if she emailed a church, right, that there'll be people there who could possibly help her, uh, and it's so cool, I love that, right, I want to be in a community where people think, man, I need help, who should I ask, who should I ask, and so uh, we uh, reached out to our Quippers care team, to the people who've said, yeah, man, I'd like to be a part of making meals and, and doing things. And I also uh, messaged my e-group ladies and just shared a little bit. And, and these guys have lots of basic needs. Uh, they need food. They came with a backpack. Uh, was all they had. And so they need clothing. Um, the kids, some of the kids are at school, so they need school supplies uh, and things to occupy their children in this kind of tiny unit that they have to live in uh, until they find other housing. And, uh, man, it was amazing, right? I was so encouraged by the response. Uh, the, the people in my e-group, the, the friends, people around were like, man, no, totally, I, I want to help. I, I want to be a part of this. And I love that as a group we've become closer because we've stepped in to help in a space and, and to, uh, to respond to need, right? To respond together, to embrace uh, this mission that God has called us to. But isn't it exciting? We get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of it. God is like, kind of like, my plan for the world is you, right? <laughs> was like, whew, that's quite big, but so exciting. It's right, that the, the local church is the hope of the world. That we get to be a part of this mission that Jesus started on earth. So the, the first invitation is to embrace the mission. The second one is to commit to meeting together. In Acts 2, 30, uh, verse 42, it says, Every believer was faithfully devoted to the following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. See, the early church just shared moments together. They ate. I like that. They prayed. They connected. Shared moments are powerful. We can choose to create them and to embrace them. And I love, you know, shout is one of those awesome, awesome examples. Going away together is really fun, right? If you've been on a camp and you just, you feel closer to people when you're away for a period of time. And shout's always an amazing opportunity like that we have to connect. And I love that the shout is kind of like receiving, but there's so much power in the connecting and the relationship that happens alongside that. That I love Equipers kind of Christchurch's normal situation has been that we kind of occupy the front middle part, right? Which is awesome. It means we get, I reckon, a higher proportion of the prophecies come to Equipus Christchurch, which is awesome, right? As an added bonus of getting there early. But it's awesome, right? We get to be a part of something fun together. E-groups are like that, right? E-groups are powerful. 
I'm going to talk a little bit more about e-groups in a minute, but e-groups are amazing. If you're not in an e-group, we would love to help you find one. Events like, like we ran a, a family quiz night recently, right? They were questions uh, kind of suitable for younger people. And it was so fun. My boys were buzzing when they came home from it. One thing we did, you had to try and get a, like a pineapple lump from your forehead to your mouth without using your hands. If you want to see if you can do it, it's quite tricky. Uh, Lisa French, she's not here today because they've got sick kids, but she managed to get it in her mouth without using her hands. So very impressive. You can try it with a cookie as well later. But it was fun, right? Doing things together builds relationship. It builds connection. Sometimes it's simply doing something like the dishes together. I love that it's a great space because you don't always have to be making conversation. You can be doing something. Maybe it's praying for each other. Sharing testimonies of what God is doing, celebrating the things. See, each week with e-groups, we have an opportunity to meet and to share our lives. And we often talk about e-groups, but it's because we believe that they're really important. Like, incredibly important. You're going to hear us talking about it lots because we think it's super important. It's like the key point of relationship in our church. And most of the pastoral care that we do comes through e-group spaces. So it's the way we care for each other. And uh, we've, uh, if you're reading our emails, our church emails, you'll notice that recently we've kind of created a system where you can ask for prayer requests or you can submit a praise report. Oh, it's really awesome. So if you can find it on the app. It's at the very bottom under the navigations tab. If you've got a need, we would love to be able to pray with you, to be able to stand with you. But also in the same way, uh, if you've got a testimony, we want to be able to celebrate together. And, and I wanted to read one uh, this week that we've received. It says this, hello, I saw the request or praise button and thought I'd share what a joy it is to be a part of our e-group. We had our lounge occupied by 11 people last night, and I looked around feeling so filled by such an awesome community of unique, wonderful people at different stages of life and faith journey. We are always guaranteed laughter and joy too. Too loud for my kids to sleep last night. Oops. There's a beautiful openness in the group to be honest about life and the studies we work through. It was a pleasure last night to have Nika and her husband David join us uh, for the first time. This morning, Nika sent a message saying they felt very welcomed and comfortable, appreciating our prayer for them and their wider family. See, it's so special, and I'm grateful for this space. I hope you are blessed knowing that the community is thriving in church life. That's amazing, right? And, and we have so many different e-groups. There's always room for more e-groups, but we want you to be a part of those communities. I always say my e-group's the best, but every person you talk to is going to tell you that they've got the best e-group, right? <laughs> yeah, have a little battle about it. But e-groups are so powerful. We want to help you find a place of connection. See, shared moments of connection, they take investment. They take vulnerability. They take intention. So my question is, are you in any group? Are you attending regularly and choosing to open up to others? Have you recognized the value of connection and chosen to initiate? Maybe not just in your e-group, maybe on a Sunday. How socially connected are you feeling? 
And have you initiated a hangout recently with someone? Dripping nose at this time of year. Interestingly, right? It's amazing how the world often kind of works out stuff that the Bible already tells us, right? Have you noticed that? Often, like, it's like they do stuff in the world and then you're like, uh huh, actually, that's what the Bible already says. Well, an interesting example of that is that they ran this study at Harvard on uh, adult development. And it's, they kind of think it, it might be the, the longest-running study of adults uh, in the world uh, ever done. It's been going for 85 years. Uh, and it started off, they had 724 men to begin with. And so they kind of looked at their work, at their life, at their health, uh, and their home lives. And because it started in 1938, uh, there's only a few of the original participants are left uh, but also studying, uh, they're, they're kind of studying more than 2,000 of the children of these men uh, that started, and they actually also kind of partway through the study, they started studying the wives uh, of the men as well, which was really interesting. Uh, and so uh, the men kind of started off in the study, they were about 19 years old when they became part of the study. Uh, and when all of them entered the study, they were given interviews and medical exams, uh, and they kind of interviewed their parents. They went to their houses and talked to the people who were a part of it. And these teenagers, they grew up, and they did a huge range of different things. Some of them were factory workers. Some of them were lawyers. Some of them were bricklayers. Some of them were doctors. One of them became the president of the United States of America which is pretty crazy, right? And they, they found that there were just some really clear messages in the study. And the main kind of message uh, that came through was that good relationships keep us happier and healthier. That was kind of the main thing. And the idea is that social connections are really good for us and loneliness is toxic, and so people who are more socially connected to friends, family, community, are happier and healthier and actually live longer, right? You might know that already. And people who are isolated, more isolated than they want to be from others, find they're less happy, their health declines earlier in midlife, and their brain function declines sooner. Often they live shorter lives. And kind of the second idea that they found is that the quality of your close relationships matter. Living in the midst of good, warm relationships is protective for your health. And so they kind of, they, they were looking at these guys and some, as they got into their 80s, they kind of asked the question when they were in their 80s, what is it that's allowed them to be a happy, healthy 80-year-old uh, and they looked back kind of in their 50s at what information they gathered about them in their 50s uh, and, and asked this question. And uh, they, so they looked at all of the information that they gathered when they were 50, and it wasn't their cholesterol level uh, that determined how happy and how healthy they were. Essentially, it was how satisfied they were in the relationships that they had. The people who were most satisfied, satisfied in their relationships at age 50 were the healthiest at age 80. Crazy, eh? Good, close relationships seem to buffer us from some of the slings and arrows of getting old. 
So the invitations are this. Embrace the mission of Jesus and commit to meeting together. The third one this morning is this, to be responsive. In Acts uh, 44, it says, all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. See, the early church were responsive to the need that they encountered. They shared what they had and invested time and resources to help each other. Responsiveness deepens relationships. If people show they care, if they acknowledge what you're facing and they respond, then you grow closer. And where the ecclesia, they, uh, the, the word uh, means the church which exists when we meet together. That's a word used a lot in the Bible for the church. And uh, we're the church when we meet together on a Sunday. But we're also the church when we meet together in our e-groups during the week. We're the church when we gather together to pray. We're the church when we do things for our community, like meeting a new cap client. It's been awesome. We've been in, in working with our first cap client, and they were making awesome progress, and they're stoked. And it's really cool. And if you want to be inspired, just go and talk to Nat. He's like, it's so awesome hearing how that's going. But we're the church when we catch up with each other and chat about our lives. And genuine deep relationships are possible when we gather together, but they take investment and intention. Maybe team, you guys can come. See, we're the continuation of the Acts Church, and relationships are so important. We can grow in relationships as we embrace the, the cause that Jesus has invited us into and, and commit to getting, uh, meeting together and are responsive, showing each other that you care, responding to a need when you see it. And there was a third factor that the study uh, at Harvard found, which was really interesting, and they found this, that good relationships don't just protect our bodies, they actually protect our brains, and what they found is being in securely attached relationships to other people in your 80s is protective. If someone feels that they can really count on another person in times of need, those people's memories stay sharper. That's awesome, right? And if they can't count on another person, then they often experience earlier memory decline. And what's crazy is that good relationships don't have to be smooth all the time. Interestingly, when they were kind of looking at some of these couples, they found that couples could argue day in and day out, but as long as they felt they could count on each other, when the going got tough, those arguments didn't actually take a lot of toll on their memories. People who feared best were the people who leaned into relationships with family, with friends, and with community. 
Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says this. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. What's cool is with every relationship, there's an invitation to grow deeper, to choose to commit, to invest, to be open, and uh, initiate connection. And if you're not in any group, as we said, we'd love to be able to help you find one. I'd invite you to come to the help desk after the service. And we've got a directory of all the e-groups, when they meet and where they meet. We'd love to help you find a place to connect. But the thing with deep relationships is that it takes vulnerability and risk. You have to put yourself out there to say you want to join an e-group or to connect with someone. And what's awesome about e-groups is you can go along and if you're thinking, awesome, this is amazing, I love want to stay at this group, that's awesome. But if you feel like, mm, this isn't quite me, I'm not sure if this is going to work, then you can join another e-group. <laughs> right? You can connect. You know, it's not like you went to one and then that's it and now you can't try another one, right? But, but we want to find a space where you can connect. But there's a need for honesty and openness. And what's tricky, right, in life is that we're all imperfect people who don't always get it right. All of us have experienced times when we've been hurt in relationships where maybe people have let us down or not been able to be there like we've needed. But letting past disappointment hurt and limit our willingness to connect in the future is most limiting for ourselves. We're the ones who miss out. And there's a process of dealing with hurt and offense. And we encourage you, if you're holding on to something and you've recognized, just as I've been speaking, that it's limiting your desire to connect with others, we encourage you to talk to somebody about that. Right? Have a chat with your e-group. Come and uh, leader, come and chat with one of us. And the thing today is that it's not going to be each of us making exactly the same response this morning. We always want to create an opportunity to respond. But it's not necessarily each of us doing the same thing this morning. Just in this moment, I want to invite the Holy Spirit to stir something in your mind. An area where maybe He's inviting you to respond this morning. One of the things, maybe you recognize, man, I actually, I'm carrying a lot of hurt from where I've tried in relationships to step out in the past where I've tried to connect with others. And I recognize that it's, it's kind of limiting my future. We want to pray for you this morning. We want to be able to stand with you. We want to invite you. In a moment, the team are going to play. And maybe that's you. Maybe this morning you're recognizing, actually, I just need someone to help. Pray with me. I need someone to help me forgive uh, these people. These are decisions that we make, but we can invite someone to pray with us this morning. And we've got an incredible team who love to do that this morning, to be able to pray with you. So maybe just as when the team are playing, maybe that's you and you just want to come forward. It's a safe space. We just stand down the front here. One of our team will pray for you. Maybe this morning, it's making a note on your phone to connect with someone. Maybe it's sending a text message right now saying, hey, do you want to meet up for a hot drink this week? 
Maybe it's joining an e-group and we want to help you to do this. So the team are going to pray, uh, sing right now. And if you're needing prayer, we invite you to come down the front. Otherwise, you can spend a moment. Either you can join in with the singing or you can write something in your phone to remind yourself this morning. But if you feel prompted to respond, don't pass the opportunity up. Right each time we have an opportunity to respond, to allow the Holy Spirit to stir something in us and, and to step into that, right? And it, it takes, uh, takes vulnerability, it takes risk, but there's uh, so much opportunity waiting for us on the other side. And so we just want to invite you to stand where you are. Maybe this morning, what you need uh, isn't to do with relationships, but you just really know that you want someone to pray with you this morning. I'd love to invite you as well as the team's playing, just to come too, because we want to pray for you as this well. Maybe you just need a word of encouragement. Maybe you just need a word from God this morning. Our team are ready and we would love to be able to pray with you this morning. So as the team play, whatever it is for you to respond today, whatever it is that you're going to do, why don't you write it down or come down for prayer in this moment? Thanks. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.